This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free podcast series, and I'm your host, Steve Dale, with Ed Wakem, Manager Companion Animal Veterinary Services at SIVA Animal Health. Dr. Wakem, one thing you do is you go from practice to practice to practice, and you help them get ready to be certified for Fear Free. So many practices tell me, I don't know that I could do that because that's really hard to do. So that's where I want to begin. How difficult is it to really do? Well, you're correct, Steve. Um, our entire veterinary services team at SIVA uh, is engaged with Fear Free to provide practice certification on-site evaluations. And so in the course of these duties, um, I personally have had the opportunity to visit with over two dozen practices and then also to consult with uh, several other practices before uh, considering certification. Yeah, I, I think we need to be frank, Steve. It, it is a challenging effort. Uh, practices that are often fear-free certified have gone through certification for uh, the American Animal Hospital Association, perhaps um, cat-friendly practices. These are practices that are performing at a high level. They hold themselves to higher expectations. And fear-free is one of the certification goals that they achieve to, and it isn't easy. Uh, it does require a, a culture to be established within the practice, a culture where the emotional health of the pet is, is addressed uh, in concert with the physical health of the pet. Um, it requires individuals to become level one certified at a minimum, and so there is a great deal of individual effort as well as collective effort on the part of the practice. And it, it, it's not easy to accomplish. Um, if it were easy, it would you know, certainly you know, diminish, I think, the efforts of a lot of practices that pursue it. Um, but it, it really shows the commitment that these practices have to provide uh, compassionate, well-rounded care for their patients' emotional health in a fear-free environment. You know, so that's that's the thing. If it were easy, easy to do, Fear Free would be criticized, I think, for just that reason. Oh, anybody can be certified. That's easy. If it were so difficult to do, so onerous to do, so costly to do, so time-consuming to do, then on the other side, that that would be... It's, it's a matter, I think, of finding that sweet spot. And personally, I think Fear Free has found it. I suspect on that you agree. I do agree. Um, you know, you mentioned a, a couple of items there, one of which was a financial investment. And I think that when practices initially expose themselves to the idea of practice certification and begin to look at the standards, uh, one of the frequently encountered myths or misperceptions of practice certification is that it will require a wholesale uh, renovation of their practice, um, you know, physical changes to rooms, to walls, to entrances, to materials used in flooring, uh, ceiling, paint, a whole variety of different things. And that really is not true. Uh, the, the practice certification standards clearly delineate what is mandatory and, and what is optional. 
Uh, and the mandatory options really apply to the culture, the, uh, the behavior, the way in which a practice in, uh, uh, staff interacts with their patients. Um, there are also some mandatory facility standards, but m many of the facility standards provide a great deal of latitude so that a practice is not required, for example, to remove all of their flooring and replace it with non-slip flooring, flooring that has a higher coefficient of friction. For example, if a practice has, you know, durable floors that can tend to be slippery for animals when they're walking in with wet feet or if an animal is, is nervous, then uh, use of uh, rugs, uh, large area rugs or non-slip mats will be a perfectly acceptable uh, interim measure. And that is set forth in the standards. Those are some of the things that we as consultants uh, can, can help a practice determine. And so it's not necessary to replace the entire floor in a practice to satisfy the non-slip recommendation. Uh, all that requires is judicious use of area rugs and non-slip mats, for example. And, and that's it. I mean, some of these things are easy, inexpensive, really, to, to rectify or, or to yes. take advantage of. So, for example, uh, buying some bandanas, and depending on what city you're in, maybe with the favorite sports team, and spraying some Adaptil on those bandanas, having those ready for dogs, that's not an expensive thing to do. Uh, pumping in some background music with some speakers by using Bluetooth that's not an expensive thing to do. That's just two of many ideas. You're absolutely right. The bandanas uh, is a great way to engage the staff. Um, as you've already said, you can have fun with that. You can have uh, bandanas that are personalized to the practice, personalized to the season. Uh, they can be different colors for different gender pets. They can, you know, adjust to whatever... Uh, seasonal sports team is is active in that locale. Um, it's a great way to engage the staff. Um, I've seen practices get together uh, for after hours social events where you know bandanas are cut from fabric, uh, kongs are stuffed with treats and put into the freezer. You know th these are things that the staff can really get engaged in. Uh, the music. There are so many great options for music that can calm dogs and cats and people. Yeah. And uh, some of these are, you know, are available commercially. Um, some can be piped through existing computer systems. So, for example, the need to have a central sound system in the practice that pipes soothing music throughout the entire practice is not the spirit of, of the standard. It's, it's to engage um, uh, applicants in, in searching out and finding the best solution that suits their practices, uh, setting and needs and requirements. Still, it's some effort. So let me cut to the chase, if you will. On the, yes. other, on, on the other side of this, uh, there's now data, I think, uh, that you'll tell me about to support. It's worth that effort. There is data. Uh, on the Fear Free website, um, there is a paper posted, and the paper is called The Positive Impact of Fear-Free Certification in Veterinary Practices. And this was written by uh, Louise Dunn, 
CEO of Snow Goose Veterinary Management Consulting. It was reviewed by Fritz Wood and Denise Tumblin. Um, these are two individuals who are well known to practitioners for their expertise in practice management. And what it looks at is 20 practices that have become fear-free certified, and it looks at their uh, metrics before and after practice certification, and then it also looks at these 20 practices metrics when compared to a group of benchmark practices. And what one needs to understand is that these 20 fear-free certified practices are practices that were in continue to be performing at a very high level. These are practices that embraced fear-free certification early on, and uh, very likely they were practicing with a fear-free set of cultures and philosophies and policies before practice certification existed. And so if one looks at the before and after metrics for these practices, um, although it does show a, a, you know, modest increases in revenues and practice visits and other metrics, um, it, it's not dramatic, but, but because again, these practices were already performing at a very high level, both in terms of, you know, their, you know, their uh, attention to the physical health of their patients as well as the emotional health of the patients. But when we look at these practices compared to a group of benchmark practices, um, this is really where the differences are seen. Um, revenues increased over about 12%. Uh, patient census increased, uh, particularly in cats. And, you know, we all know that cats are an unders underserved species within companion animal practices. And if these fear-free practices, uh, fear-free certified practices can see 12% more cats coming through their door as a result of what they're doing, uh, with fear-free certification, uh, that's a that's a plus for cats everywhere and for cat owners and the practices everywhere. If one then drills down to look at drug and medication revenues, exam revenues, laboratory vaccine revenues, um, again, increases are seen in these key performance indicators. But it's important to realize and understand that the motiv motivation to become fear-free certified as a practice is not bottom line revenue, um, although these changes are noted. The motivation is, is you know, other than, you know, revenue generated. And, and those practices that look at practice certification simply as a way to differentiate themselves from their competitors, if that's the way they view themselves in the marketplace, uh, are the practices that are, I think are least successful in this pursuit. The practices that have set a high level of standard for themselves that uh, want to provide a, a an environment that is um, as, fee, as free as, of fear, anxiety, and stress for their patients coming in uh, um, as possible. Um, these are the practices that succeed, and because this level of care is attractive to caring pet owners, um, they will see their metrics follow along in a positive trend accordingly. So, yeah, if anybody's interested in, in looking at this study, uh, it's available on the Free Free website as a PDF download. And, and, you know, I would certainly recommend that uh, interested parties uh, go to Fear Free um, and take a, take a look at this document. Now, there are two important points. One is client, and I agree with you about the document. I've read it as well. 
There are two important, and it's compelling. Uh, there are two important points. One is client retention. And that's particularly true among those who happen to have feline friends that they bring to the veterinarian. And historically, you mentioned, and correctly, of course, that, yeah, it's underserved. The average cat still, even today, is not going to the veterinarian as often, nearly as often, as the average dog. Well, those numbers among fear-free practices get a little closer to one another. Uh, and as far as the dogs go, even, those numbers increase, too. Uh, I think that's important. It is important. I mean, you and I and listeners to this podcast know that the main reason why cats do not go to their primary care veterinarian as often as they need to is because of the way uh, cats exhibit the fear, anxiety, and stress associated with travel, associated with being in a strange place. Um, you know, getting the animal to the practice is a significant hurdle. Um, a practice, and it's important and its staff can do a marvelous job of alleviating fear, anxiety, and stress when the cat arrives there. But if the wind-up period, the, the, the generation of that fear, anxiety, and stress on the trip to the practice, the anticipation of that trip uh, is, is, is at a high level, oftentimes the interventions that that you know, caring staff will, will employ are not sufficient to bring that cat to a comfortable, acceptable level. And so education of the cat owner, um, engaging the cat owner with uh, the, the proper tools, whether they be pharmaceuticals, pheromones, uh, nutritional supplements, um, uh, proper education on, on conditioning the cat to the carrier, you know, all of these tools are, are really important in use together to deliver a cat to the veterinary practice at a low state of fear, anxiety, and stress, so that can be continue to be minimized while the cat is under the care of the veterinarian. And at the completion of that experience, the cat owner and the cat are going to be are going to feel so much more fulfilled for having had that experience that they will look forward to doing it the next year and the year after that. And and that's why, you know, the the repeat visits, not only for cats, but also for dogs, uh, is enhanced. Uh, if a dog truly enjoys going to visit their veterinarian, if, if the fear-free practice encourages their dog-owning clients to bring the dog in for just simply a happy visit, let's come in the front door and let's get treats and let's visit with the personnel and let's leave without any medical interaction having taken place, um, that dog will just view that practice as a happy place to go, just like it might go to the dog park or, you know, go for sure. a walk with its owner. And uh, it'll feel a lot less fear, anxiety, and stress when it has to go there for a medical intervention by that staff. You know, to your point, I have no data to support this, but a Bayer usage study does have data from several years ago uh, that... I don't remember the exact percent, but it is something like 70% or more of cat owners get stressed out. They get upset, nervous, anxious, the, the cat caretaker, uh, about even thinking about going to the veterinarian. So if we can adjust those numbers down, that is an amazing thing. And I believe, again, I have no data, uh, that fear-free practices do exactly that. One, one thing we haven't talked about and that is safety 
of the veterinary team itself among the fear-free practices? Yes. um, In my visits and discussions with practices that have embraced fear-free and have pursued practice certification, um, one of the things that they share with me is that um, their employees get injured less frequently. Um, When attention is paid to interventions with pets, um, using fear-free techniques, um, reducing the level of fear, anxiety, and stress, um, knowing when to pursue a medical action, what medical actions are are truly needed versus what medical actions are, are, are wanted, um, having the courage to defer medical actions to a time and place when that pet's fear, anxiety, and stress uh, is lowered. Um, all of these, all of these actions do reduce the, uh, the potential for physical harm, you know, due to these interactions, um, uh, between cats and dogs and, and their human caretakers. Uh, and then also, Steve, the emotional health, the, uh, the emotional well-being of the staff, um, at the end of a day, um, you know, regardless of what the outcomes are, because sadly, you know, when we're in a veterinary practice. We know that all medical outcomes are not necessarily the way that we want them to be, but if we can control the emotional outcomes um, and and we can reduce the fear, anxiety, and stress, not only in our patients, but also in our patients' caretakers, uh, whether they be the, the um, you know, the pet parent or the, the caretaker at the veterinary practice, um, it, it, it allows for humans as well as animals, uh, and, and of course we don't have data to measure this, but you and I and those listening to this podcast know that that's intuitive, um, it, it, it can really result in, in you, know, uh, you know, a better attitude about the work that we do, uh, less emotional stress, and it leads to improved recruiting of employees in the veterinary practice and improved retention of employees in the veterinary practice. We have greater job satisfaction. All right. Now, you've seen so many fear-free practices. You've seen so many that aren't. Uh, In the remaining time, which is just about two minutes, what's the biggest difference? Uh, Again, I feel the biggest difference is the culture. I don't feel it's the physical plant. I don't feel it's as simple as having a separate dog and cat entrance, a separate dog and cat waiting room, separate dog and cat physical uh, exam facilities. I mean, all of those things are important in pursuing the the fear-free mission, but they're not essential. Uh, It's the culture. It's the attitudes of the employees in the practice. It's the way in which they interact with their animals. It's the way in which they interact with their clients. Um, those are the differences that I see that differentiate a fear-free certified practice from a non-fear-free certified practice. Can a practice have fear-free certified individuals and, and practice at a high level within a practice that is not certified? Absolutely. You know, you know that to be true. I know that to be true. The practices that pursue certification want to take that commitment to the next level, uh, and, and, and they do that. Well, and I think the clients are beginning to look for that logo and and going to places like Fear Free Happy Homes. Ed Wakeham, Manager, Companion Animal Veterinary Services, SIVA Animal Health, thank you so much. 
Always a pleasure to speak with you, Steve. Same here. Thank you. Uh, if you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings, access the new toolbox items, and find out all the additional courses at fearfreepets.com. And of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to know to get started at fearfreepets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing veterinary practice certification, get more details on the same site in the veterinary about section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast, welcome. And you can learn more at fearfreehappyhomes.com. <laughs>